Welcome to Christian Curious with Dr. Haley Scott of Denver Seminary. What are the challenges we face in today's church and culture in a postmodern, post-Christian era? Dr. Haley believes that in addressing those issues, the church must adopt a missional mindset. Christianity does hold the answers to the big questions of today's culture. Let's join Dr. Haley for today's edition of Christian Curious. Black History Month is an annual celebration of achievements by African Americans and a time for recognizing the central role of blacks in U.S. history. Welcome to Christian Curious with Dr. Haley, where we tackle the most important ministry questions of the 21st century. Well, February, as a Black History Month, grew out of the idea of historian Carter G. Woodson and other prominent African Americans. And since 1976, every U.S. president has officially designated the month of February as Black History Month. Other countries around the world, including Canada and the United Kingdom, also devote a month to celebrating black history. Today um, on Christian Curious, we'll be hearing from Topaz McBride, who will be able to share with us a little bit about urban ministry and racial ministry and racial reconciliation. Topaz is the pastor of retention and interim young adult pastor at Restoration Christian Fellowship. She is the founder and executive director of Rediscovery Through Wellness. She's a psychotherapist and emotional wellness coach and consultant. She serves on the executive boards of Greater Denver Ministerial Alliance, Aurora Council of Faith, Grand Design, Shop Talk Live, and she is on the Colorado State Victims Advocacy Committee. She's a featured author in the Safer Society Press, published by the release of Cultural Diversity and Sex Offender Treatment. She's been an expert guest on Good Morning America and Local Channel 7 News. Topaz considers her most important roles to be a mother, a social justice ad- activist, a victim advocate, a therapist, and a community mediator. That's quite a bit, Topaz. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you, and good morning. Thank you for having me on the show today. Thank you for being here. Um, before we get into uh, the, minist- the various roles in ministry, you, you have quite a unique background. I'd love your listeners to hear a little bit more about yourself. Could you tell us, little, us a little? Sure. Um, well, I've only been in ministry for probably the last 10 years. I was a late uh, Christian, if you will. I did not grow up in the church. Um, my family was overseas most of our lives, um, or the children's lives anyway. My father was in the military. And so I, I don't know if that was why we really didn't go to church, because we only went to church twice mm-hmm. a year. We went to church on Palm Sunday and Easter. Um, then when we came to the United States um, in the late uh, 70s, it was, um, I think we started going like on Christmas Eve. Uh, we included that to the calendar. So um, I find my, I feel like kind of a late bloomer with regard to a lot of doctrine and just really finding my way. So I feel real blessed to be under the um, uh, spiritual mentorship of my pastor, Dr. Felix Gilbert, and because of his anointing as a teacher, um, that has really helped to progress my maturity with regard to my faith. Um, my activism, that's been something, I think uh, that's just an innate uh, proclamation, if you will, that I am so committed to social justice. Um, I've always been an advocate for the underprivileged and um, just the voiceless and powerless. And so 
that is part of my uh, involvement with Shop Talk Live. That's what mm -hmm. we do. We are committed to really supporting particularly the black community. Our commitment is to empower the black community, making sure that we're providing opportunity for education in every gamut, education uh, with regard to candidacy when during election terms, educating them on, on what the different areas are on the ballot to make sure that people are making informed decisions because if we're really going to have an impact, we believe that we have to influence legislature. We need to be in positions of power so that we can help to shift some of the dynamics that um, keep us separated because of uh, lack of knowledge. And we know what the Bible says about um, a lack of knowledge, you know, mm -hmm. um, and without vision. And when people are hopeless, people don't have vision. People don't have um, you know, it, it's difficult to stay motivated when you feel like everything around you is designed to keep you oppressed. Right. So you have mentioned before about um, the difference between, you know, a lot of times whenever we try to think about ministry, we think about ministry in urban contexts. We think about ministry in suburban contexts. And what we what a lot of times people really mean are ministry to the African-American communities. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that misconception and how it, and why it might be wrong to think of it that way? Well, at one time, um, the breakout was, uh, the, the class breakout was um, also what defined uh, segregation and where the majority of uh, different um, racial makeup uh, of our community lived were the predominant um, upper economic, socioeconomic classes and more predominant white communities were the suburban areas. And the urban areas uh, made up more people of color and the, the lower end of the continuum with regard to the socioeconomic classes. However, with gentrification um, taking on the momentum that it's taken over the particularly over the last 10 years, that looks very different. And now what used to be um, urban community um, in, in metropolitan cities looks very different. So those areas that made up, um, uh, that were made up predominantly of people of color, black and brown, um, are, are shifting and more upper class whites are coming back to those urban inner city areas. And so the people of color and the lower socioeconomic classes are being pushed to the outer realm. More to the suburbs. Absolutely. Or, or even just to the outside peripheral mm -hmm. of the even uh, the urban committee, uh, communities because the other thing that's happening is that in the suburbs, um, people are being um, outpriced because the, the, the cost of living in, um, in the suburbs uh, does not always support the lower socioeconomic groups. And so that's also influencing the, the need for affordable housing and um, the number of, you know, the increase in houselessness where we're seeing those numbers just um, break through um, all kinds of, of barriers. Um, just the, the number of homeless even in Aurora has um, increased significantly over the past few years, and that's part of what that's about. They can't afford to live in the downtown areas, and they can't afford to live in the suburbs either. Yeah, even here in Denver, like most many cities, um, it's 
practically hard, difficult or next to impossible for middle class families to afford, let Absolutely. alone the uh, lower income families. Um, so it's very difficult to, to afford a home anywhere, um, urban or suburban. Absolutely. So you end up in the exurbs. So um, how would you say that, do you want to stop here for a minute? Yeah, just, just keep going okay. Keep We're going to edit that out. And I'll put a note okay. for sure. Okay. You want to join? Um, I don't know how to add you in, so do you want to just listen? Okay. Um, okay. All right. Let's just keep continue on okay. with this. Um, all right. So we talked about exurbs. Sorry, that threw me off. Um, so Topaz, what would you say are the biggest struggles um, young adults, um, young African-American adults are struggling with today? I think that um, when it comes to, well, first of all, that's, that's a pretty broad question. Yeah, um, and right. I, and I think that the struggle is uh, in, in many areas. But uh, if we're going to talk about the church specifically, if we're talking about ministry, then um, it's, it's really about finding their place because of so many um, challenges with regard to the, the socioeconomic issues that we talked mm -hmm. about, um, the disparities with regard to um, education, with so many things changing uh, where the resources that were once readily available for uh, people to qualify, for s black students to qualify, to get into um, um, really respected universities, those resources are no longer available and they're being cut um, every every time we turn around with the new administration, um, there is no longer a requirement to have certain representation in universities, and grant funding is is uh, more difficult to come by. What they're looking for with regard to loan um, qualifications. So we've got that challenge S with. Uh, the young students that desire to go to an accredited university being so difficult, um, then that pushes them in, in different areas with regard to um, finding um, opportunities mm -hmm. for certifications and, and getting into community colleges. But one of the blessings that I've seen in that is that it, it's also pushed a lot of young black adults to um, seek out opportunities for entrepreneurship. I see a lot more of them really creating their own path. Um, we have a young lady in the studio today who is one of those people. She um, has cre is creating um, a design path of her own. She's a, she is a fashion designer, and, she, and part of what put her in that position is exactly what I'm talking about. Um, she was in a situation where it was like, okay, I guess this is the pathway for me to begin to live my dream, and since that is her dream, to really be a successful fashion designer, she's working on that. So the blessing in this in this difficult time is that I see a lot more of these young adults really pursuing their own avenue with creating their own um, flows of income, creating businesses and learning about businesses. Uh, I see a lot more opportunities within our community where there are successful entrepreneurs who are opening doors, creating um, 
educational opportunities through within their organizations to teach our community how to be financially literate and how to be successful in establishing themselves in business. Now, when we shift that to ministry, um, I think that one of the challenges that I see in really going out and talking to our young adults about why aren't you participating in um, in, in church services, um, what what happened to shift the percentage of what uh, millennial, the representation of millennial Christians is like now compared to what it used to be is really low because I think that one of the things about uh, African Americans is that we have always been very spiritually based and that spiritual base yes. has been pr predominant with regard to Christianity. Well, there's a shift now in that there are um, they're being introduced to a lot of other options that seem more attractive, they're trendy, they're, they're more accepted because Christianity is now being looked at more as, um, uh, if you will, a white man's oppressive um, uh, way of, of keeping black people uh, at a real restricted place. Uh, and that is partly because of the misuse of, of what Christianity is, people falsely representing Christianity. You mean like in the political Absolutely. area? Exactly, exactly. And so if that's what Christianity is, you know, when we are um, um, putting immigrants in, in, in cages and not allowing them citizenship and, and, and all of the disparities with regard to what's happening uh, in the political realm and, and really the separation of class and color, uh, it has more uh, uh, astute and conscious uh, young millennials of color choosing not to be Christians because in, in, the, in their minds it's like, if that's what Jesus is about, if that's what your God is about, we don't want to be a part of that because that's not what we're going to accept. We're, we're, we're human beings and we are looking for equity and Christianity does not provide equity. Wow. So there's, there's two questions that emerge out of that for me. And the first is, um, how do you respond when young adults tell you that? What is your answer to them? Well, my first response to them is to, to offer, uh, really just to listen, first of all, because the first thing is that if we respond in a defensive posture, uh, we're not going to get anywhere. And I've learned uh, the hard way that God doesn't need to be defended. God is who he is. And so I really try to get into a place of where I'm hearing what God is, is giving me to share. What is the posture that I need to present? And, and so um, I want them to know that I respect their position, I respect their 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 choices, and, and I'm open to hearing, but I also want them then to give me that in return. And once I've established that, then I'm in a position to share my own testimony and to give them the truth about who God is and what Jesus represented, what the word really says, and how it's being taken out of context by people in power and people with authority who are misusing that for their own personal gain. Right. Yeah. Thank you for that, Topaz. Sure. Um, my second question is, those who may be listening may be part of the white evangelical community who is associated with that type 
of, uh, of stereotype, if you will, and the political loadedness that comes with evangelical white Christianity. But um, some listeners may be part of that audience that may not share the, the views that are espoused by the people perpetuating that political agenda mm-hmm. for immigrants and, you know, and minorities and, and things like that. So what would be your advice to them on what they could do to start changing the narrative on how Christianity is viewed by African-Americans? Um, and it's not just ap- African-Americans. Um, we, we need to look at also how it's impacting our uh, Latina and Mexican mm-hmm. community. Absolutely. Um, they are also being impacted by this, especially since they're the ones being targeted coming across the bar- border. Um, and so I really uh, would encourage my evangelical white um, conservative uh, listeners out there in the community that if you really truly love uh, the the God that uh, is the creator and the author of life, if you really love and represent Christ our Savior, then you've got to make a commitment to stand for what is righteous, what is just, because that is who he was. He was, he is um, the Savior and that represents equity. All people, all people matter. And he is no respecter of persons. And so we have to shift. You, you have to shift and get out of that framework of separation and, and where it's rooted. Look at that and then be brave enough to stand for truth. Be brave enough to step away from those, those um influences that have perpetuated this level of separation and inequality and lack of justice and really look for truth look for truth for yourself the word says study and no, and show ourselves approved we have to know the word for ourselves and and not rely on a dictatorship to beat that into our head about what is right and um just being careful of that, just really being careful that that we have human beings who are being treated in ways that I think really makes our Savior ashamed of us. Right. So what would be some practical ways that they could flesh that out if they, they start to say, okay, I want to reevaluate how people are being treated. I want to show that I don't agree with this or that I may... Um, I want to take up for the marginalized and I want to take up for the disenfranchised. I want to take up for uh, minority communities um, and speak out. What are some practical things that people can do to make a difference? Find out where the groups are in your community, the organizations in your community who are actually boots on the ground doing the work. Get connected with them. Sit back and, and, and observe and learn and find out what they're doing and get involved from that perspective. Be courageous enough to speak to your own groups and networks when you recognize that they're misrepresenting what scripture says. Be courageous enough. God will protect you. God says that he will contend with those who contend with us and trust in that spirit to be brave enough to to speak out. And I think that you might be surprised that when you do that, that there are other people in the space who feel the same way but are afraid to speak out against the majority. But when you start to do that, I think that's a beginning of a different kind of revolution. 
Yes, absolutely. And I think that something you said earlier is also very important, which is beginning with listening and listening to the needs of people and listening to what people are saying rather than what you think they might be saying. Exactly. And, and even in that, that it reminded me of a thought that I had and meeting people right where they are and, and getting to know what is really going on. Um, our young adult meeting on Tuesday night, we have a couple of young men who have a gang background and they they were at one time very active in, in the gangs and, and one of them has even been shot. They've both been shot at. Um, they used to be drug dealers and really lived hardcore lives on the street. And they were sitting and they were speaking to the group about the fact that they, that's not, they, they weren't in that position because that was really what they wanted. It was a matter of survival. And that they're not the, the persons that they're being carved out to be, that they're really good people. And they emphasize that to the group. We're really good guys. And it just really broke my heart as I listened to them. It breaks my heart too, listening. Yeah. Over and over, they were saying, we're really good guys. And, and we don't want that. And they talked about how they're being stereotyped and stigmatized by their own community as well as white community. And it leaves them somewhere abandoned and isolated by themselves. But especially since they've made up their mind that they want to serve Christ. They want to be kingdom representatives. And they talked about how even with some of the shootings that a lot of times these kids, these young people are are shooting and killing out of fear. It's not so much because they are really these monsters or terrible people that they're made out to be, but a lot of times it's out of fear and desperation. But if we don't take the time to really connect with this with these kids, um, we don't learn who they really are from the, from a heart perspective, then all we're going to do is stand in judgment. So we have to be careful, all of us, about m- drawing conclusions and making assumptions about people without really knowing their heart. Right. I mean, it's a, it would be, it's, you know, I've been involved in various um, ministries related to gangs before mm-hmm. throughout my ministry life. And I would say that it would be really difficult for me to imagine anyone voluntarily choosing that life because they thought it was glamorous and they thought it was easy or they thought it was the best of options. Mm -hmm. For many, it seems to be one of the only options. Right, exactly. And it it just frustrates me to no end when I hear people say, well, you just pull yourself up by the bootstraps, you know, I started out this way or I started out that way. And, I, and it really depends on who you are because the, the reality is is that depending on the color of your skin and even the, 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 the hue of your, of your complexion, you have different advantages. Because if we walk into an interview, we walked in applying for a job, depending on who those decision makers are around the table, w- I could walk in with better credentials. But the reality is, is the person, the white person is going to have the advantage every single time. We go in to apply for a loan, we go in to apply for uh, a position of authority, it makes a difference. So that does leave a lot of people, especially when they don't have resources. When, when they don't have the proper resources, when they don't have the proper support, and when they don't have the, the exposure to m- role models and mentors that live outside of the realm of a particular lifestyle, the r- then to them, the reality of living 
different is, is far beyond their ability to even conceptualize. Right. That, um, that reminds me of a study that, um, that I read once that, because a lot of my research has been in the area of female leadership. And one study um, I read said that women have to have at least 90 to 100% of qualifications before they will even apply for a job where a man might apply if he has 60% mm. simply because of the way women are perceived in the workplace. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what advice would you have for someone who might want to get involved with, we just, as we wrap up our time together, what advice do you have for someone who might feel called to get involved with ministry to the African-American community? Well, I would say look for a, a church or ministry that um, represents something different than, than what you're used to. Take a risk and, and step into um, a black church or a church that's predominantly black, I would say, or even brown, and, and get to know, get a feel, get comfortable, learn how to be comfortable, especially if that's not what you've been exposed to. There's so many people that they live in the suburbs and that's all that they know, um, suburbs that are, you know, of, of the higher socioeconomic class and... Um, predominantly and white. Yes, absolutely. Especially here in Denver, we have that issue. Yes, yes, I've said yes. before, Denver is the whitest place I've ever lived. <laughs> yeah, I, I could see that. It, get out of your comfort zone. Get out of your comfort zone and begin to serve so that you can learn and you'll know that, that um, you'll be accepted and people will walk with you in that. Well, Topaz, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for your wisdom and your warmth and all of the ministry work that you're doing and the advocacy work that you're doing. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me as your guest today. You've been listening to Christian Curious with Dr. Haley. If you have any questions for Topaz or if you have any questions for me or thoughts about our program, I love interacting with listeners. Please contact me at drhaley at christiancurious.org. That's D-R-H-A-L-E-E at christiancurious.org. Remember, stay curious about how God is moving in the world today. Thank you for listening to Christian Curious with Dr. Haley. You can contact her with your comments or questions about today's show at her email, drhaley at christiancurious.org. That's D-R-H-A-L-E-E at christiancurious.org. You may also learn more by visiting the Christian Curious website, christiancurious.org. Join Dr. Haley again next week for Christian Curious on AM 670 KLTT.